Hey guys and gals, Cable here, and this week's podcast is proudly brought to you by Scent Blaster. It's the new scent dispersal system. If you use scent-based attractants in any of your hunting setups, then you need to check out Scent Blaster. It's a better mousetrap. You'll get more scent out, and you'll get it out for longer. No more dried-out wicks. That's right. Your wick is actively in the scent reservoir, which continually puts out your favorite attractant. So whether you're hunting deer, hogs, or predators, check out Scent Blaster, and you can find it at scentblaster.net. Rock of ages clipped for me. She tried to turn me on to Jesus, but I turned on to the devil's ways. And I turned out to be the only hell my mama ever raised. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Lake great Johnny Paycheck. I'm the only hell my mama ever raised. Kicking things off for us. On the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, also, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris, our longtime presenting sponsors. It is great to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is uh, the highlight of my week, week in and week out, to be able to share the great outdoors with you folks. So, thanks for being here. Uh, We've got a great show lined up for you today, one that I'm excited about, and I think you will find very interesting. So, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos. Maybe you put a snort of Grandpappy's cough syrup in there. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Either way, uh, pour yourself another cup because we are ready to rock and roll off the top. Uh... A big bass tail for the ages, my ages anyway, <laughs> because it's my big bass tail. Um, for those of you that don't know, I don't know how it happened, but I was fortunate enough to join the Double Digit Club two weeks ago. And I'd mentioned it on the show that week that I, I had caught a new personal best. Uh, and kind of just glossed over it, really. But quite a few of you emailed and wanted to hear that story and uh, hell, why not? <laughs> I mean, I love to tell it. Uh, so there's no better form than right here. So we will get into that coming up in a minute. And hell, I don't know, maybe some of the, the purists out there will have uh, an issue with how I handled it. But I really don't care. Uh, she was released to spawn another day. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters to me. Um, then, very interesting discussion with houndsman Joe Brayman of South Texas. See, Joe's been training hounds his entire life. Uh, Originally, to hunt cats with, bobcats, mountain lions, and then in the late 90s, uh, humans, as far as using his hounds on manhunts. Now, he's taking it a step further. He's spent the last 15 months of his life training hounds specifically to catch rhino poachers in Africa. And so Joe will be here to talk about his running walker hounds and the depths that he had to go into to get these hounds to strike or engage, bite a human. Because see, a hound isn't like a German Shepherd or a Belgian Malinois or other breeds that you would associate engaging a human with. And so for these hounds to do that, it took a lot of work, a lot of time, 
And uh, Joe is, is very confident that he has the solution to help fight the rhino poaching epidemic. And y'all know, a rhino horn will fetch $300,000 on the black market, so they're not going to stop poaching. So we've got to step up our game if we're going to save that species. Uh, so cool stuff coming up with Joe. And then we will wrap up today's broadcast by checking in with our buddy Zach Gates of All Seasons Feeders. They've got some new, uh, very affordable hog lights coming out that you're going to want to know about. A price point of 59 bucks to get into the new Lil Squealer. Uh, and then also, what you know, what if you want to turn that old, outdated Gen 1 night vision into a top-of-the-line unit? They've got a solution for that, too, which will save you some money. Uh, so we're going to get into some different things with Zach, but uh, looking forward to visiting with him at the bottom of the hour. So that's what's on the docket for today. We'll be all over the place, which I think is a great thing. <laughs> Uh, but I'm certainly looking forward to today's program, and I'm glad that y'all are here with me. A couple other things to mention. Today is the last day to send in your March-slash-April photo of the month submission. We've got that Mossberg 930 all-purpose 12-gauge shotgun in Realtree camo that we are giving up. $650 retail, and uh, we'll give that away to one of y'all this month. All you have to do, email your best hunting, fishing, outdoor photo, whatever, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, or you can post it on our Facebook page wall or uh, tag us with that LSOS photo contest hashtag on Instagram. We'll get you entered. And also, our monthly winners for 2018 will square off at the end of the year for a chance to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me at Coons Canyon Ranch next spring. So, Cool stuff on that front, as always, from Coons Canyon Ranch. Let's do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. I got a lot of people that wanted to win the Lone Star Outdoors show grab bag, prize pack, uh, last week. So we'll do it again. <laughs> $75 value. I can't tell you what's in it because I honestly don't know yet. But I've got a lot of stuff from sponsors who've been kind enough to send us the latest and greatest outdoor gear. And whether that's broadheads or uh, lures caps, t-shirts, thermocells. I don't really know, uh, but it's going to be a cool prize pack. And all you have to do to enter to win the drawing is email the word Lunker. That's Lunker to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. We're going to be talking big bass momentarily, so send in that word Lunker to uh, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and we'll get you entered. We all stick around. Up next, it's my turn. It's my big bass tale for the ages. I never thought it would happen to me, but but I think that great unknown is why we all head into the outdoors each and every time. That's coming at you next, right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. 
Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Howdy, this is Robert Earl Keen, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Up this morning, before the sun, fixed me some coffee and a honey bun. Jumped in the pickup, gave her the gas, I'm going out to catch a five That's the five-pound bass bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Robert Earl Keen, and I need to tell old Bobby Keen that he needs to write a song about a 10-pound bass, right? <laughs> That's what we're going to get into here in just a second. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to DSC, our title sponsor, also Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. It is great to be here talking outdoors with you as we've got uh, my lunker tail to get into here in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to remind you about Overstocks and Bargains. See, my friends over at Overstocks and Bargains, when Gander Mountain went out of business, they swooped in and bought up a ton of ammunition from 14 stores. Well, they are now offering it to you and I at pennies on the dollar prices. So for your next ammunition purchase, you head over to overstocksandbargains.com. You use my promo code LONESTAR when you check out. That'll save you 10% off your order, which will help with the shipping cost. And you'll save a ton of money on whatever ammunition it is that you need, whether that's pistols, rifles, shotguns, you name it. They've got it all at overstocksandbargains.com. Okay, well, uh, I would say let's bring on our first guest, but that happens to be yours truly. And I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm very proud of catching this fish. It's something that I never thought would happen, and certainly not where I caught it. Uh, so here's a little background about, I don't know, five, six years ago when I got my CHL renewed, I had to do some paperwork and sign something. I had to go to a notary's office, I think. Anyway, the notary told me, I told him where I lived, and he said, oh, yeah, there's a, a pond over not too far uh, from where you live. And I had seen the dam of this pond from the road for years and years. I never knew it was back there. Um, and it actually was about a 10-acre lake. And, and this gentleman said, I, I've caught eight and nine-pound bass out of there. I was like, wow, really? Okay, so where do you think I went the next day? Yeah, straight there. And this lake is actually hidden in a housing community with, I would say, million-dollar houses. The people probably never fish there, probably don't even know there's bass in the lake, you know? Uh, I can't I can't say for certain, but I doubt they do much fishing, but I do. And so I'm there during the springtime. My, my dad has frequented this little lake with me as well. And so uh, I was there two weeks ago. I'd taken the kids to school, threw my rod and reel in the bed of the truck with my backpack, had all my lures and soft plastics in there. And I had a, a Pop R tied on my spinning reel 
And then I had a Texas rigged five inch Lake Fork hyper stick uh, watermelon red worm tied on to my bait caster. A uh, 20 pound braid with a 12 pound fluorocarbon leader. And so I went to the back of this lake where the, the creek feeds into the uh, big body of water. And I caught a couple two pounders out of this lake. Lost a five pounder that jumped one time, which to me, that's a huge bass. And obviously it is to Robert O'Keen as well. Uh, and, and my biggest bass to date was six pounds, seven ounces. I caught in Oklahoma with my buddy Roy Ratcliffe. Uh, but on this day, I caught a couple little bass, you know, under a pound uh, off of this little point there where that creek feeds in. Then I moved down the bank a little bit, and I'm not kidding you, I caught the two biggest crappie that I have ever caught in my life, bigger than the two-pounders I've caught on Lake Fork. I mean, they were slabs. Caught them basically back-to-back cast, and they destroyed that Texas-rigged five-inch worm. And so anyway, I wasn't going to keep these crappie. Uh, This is right in the city of McKinney, by the way, in a neighborhood. So I was throwing the crappie back, took a couple pictures, like, God, these are really nice slabs. Uh, I was like, let's catch another one. Why not? If they're going to keep eating this worm, I'll just keep catching them for fun. And I cast it back in there three or four more times. And I'm not kidding you. I, I thought at first I'd snagged a log when my bait just stopped coming back to me. Then all of a sudden, drag started screaming off of that lose reel. I mean, like nothing I'd ever experienced. Uh, Nothing I've ever caught in saltwater or freshwater. And it just took off. And honestly, what went through my mind was, gosh darn it, stupid catfish. (laughs) And he's screaming, screaming, taking line. And I'm adjusting drag, trying to uh, make sure the line doesn't snap. Uh, but also, you know, keep it as taut as possible. And so I don't know how long it actually was in real time, but it seemed like it took forever. I finally saw a little ripple at the surface, and then boom, an explosion. And at that moment, (laughs) I knew that my life could change for the better because what I saw was a giant bass break the surface. And uh, at that point, I started screaming. I was like, please, Lord, let this happen. I don't know how big that fish is, but I know it's bigger than anything I've ever caught. I keep the line as tight as I can and try to get her head pointed back towards me. It probably took two, three, four minutes. I don't know. It happened so fast, but it seemed like I was stuck in time. She jumped again, and I was like, please, Lord, no, no, don't jump. Don't let her spit that hook out. One more jump. Total of three jumps every time I'm holding my breath. Please, God, don't let her spit the hook out. And I'm thinking in my mind, did I give her a good hook set? Oh, yeah. And I knew I did. Uh, And I would see once I finally got her to the bank that, yeah, that that, uh, five-aught hook was buried in her jaw. So she wasn't going anywhere. But you don't know that. (laughs) So I'm nervous as hell. Just praying that she doesn't spit this hook out. I get her finally to the bank, and I step into the water. I don't even care. I don't care. I just knew this bass was something special. And so... uh, Got her on the bank, picked her up, and fortunately, I took a little video of my reaction. Sound quality is not going to be great because it was on my cell phone, but I think this will help you understand the emotion. I mean, I was like a little kid. I'm not going to lie, and I'm not ashamed of it. If I caught another 10-pounder, I'd do the same thing. So here you go. Have a little fun at my expense. (laughs) I don't know how big it is. All I know is it is freaking... Oh my god!
shaking. I'm shaking, I'm shaking, I'm shaking. Oh my god! Oh my god! Check this fish out! Check this freaking gazo! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I tell you, that's a new personal best right there. Holy S. It was like a log! Oh my god, I cannot believe this. I can't believe it! Holy smokes! <laughs> so there you have it. That was my uh, reaction literally 30 seconds after I caught the biggest bass of my life. And I've been bass fishing my entire life. Uh, my dad's not much of a hunter, but he loves bass fishing, always has. And I knew that he has on his wall a uh, an 8 plus that he caught out of Lake Fork. And because of that fact, I knew I had to weigh this fish. So I grabbed the old scale digital scale out of my backpack and uh, I hadn't caught a fish worth weighing in a couple of years apparently because the batteries had corroded that thing so bad that it wouldn't turn on so what do I do cut some braid off of my spinning reel run it through her mouth and I tie her to a, a willow tree there and off I go to find a new scale <laughs> some of y'all might have a problem with that I don't care these fish are hardy if you catch a 13-pounder, Texas Parks and Wildlife will come to you anywhere in the state. Do you think they get there in 10 minutes? Hell no. Uh, guys keep them in their live well for days at a time when fishing tournaments. Also, that puts a lot of stress on these fish. So it was about 70 degrees outside. Water temperatures were nice and cool. I wasn't worried about her stressing out in the little bit of time it was going to take me. But I knew I had to wear. So off I go. I make it to 7-Eleven. Well, I have to run to my truck, which is uh, at this point a half a mile away. And I'm on a dead sprint. Get to 7-Eleven, buy batteries. This The scale still won't work. So off to Cabela's I went, bought a new scale, told the guy, I uh, was waiting in line, and I said, please, sir, can I can I go ahead if you got a 10-pound bass tied up? He's like, sure, dude. I showed him the picture. <laughs> he was like, awesome. He's like, go, go, go. Uh, so it was like a team effort. They got me out of there as fast as they could and made it back to her. She was fine. And I put that scale on her, and official weight, 10.23 pounds. I, I was just stunned. I could not believe I'd caught a 10-pound bass. And uh, and I guess, isn't that how it goes for all of us, whether it's a big buck or a big bass? When that day happens, when you finally make that dream a reality, it's like a surreal experience. I mean, this is why we do it. Uh, yeah, we hunt for food, for sustenance, to feed our families, and and fish for the same reason a lot of the time but hey there's nothing wrong with trophy hunting or if you're a bass fisherman let's face it we're, we're trophy fishermen i mean it's uh, it's trophy fishing it's catch and release which flies in the face of conventional wisdom think about that going fishing and then putting the fish back that's not what humans have done historically uh, so there's a little bit of a trophy hunter or trophy angler in all of us we like big bass we like big bucks and there is no reason to apologize uh, so got that fish weighed, got her back in the water. It felt great to put her back in. She was full of eggs. And like I said, I never thought I would catch a 10-pound bass. Always wanted to. Uh, but if I did, I figured it would be on Lake Fork or uh, some other well-known reservoir. Not in a little 10-acre lake literally four miles from my house. <laughs> so uh, if that doesn't motivate you to get out there and wet a line, then I don't know what will. Because if it could happen to me, it could happen to you. Uh, so... That is my Lunker Tale. Hope you all enjoyed it. I'm still on cloud nine, and I will be having Rustic Reminders make a replica of that fish 
Um, and I will get to, uh, to share that story in memory with anyone who stops to admire her. And by the way, she was 23.5 inches long. Forgot to mention that uh, tidbit as well. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. Up next, a very special guest. Lifelong houndsman Joe Brayman drops in. He's training hounds to help thwart poaching in Africa. We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoors show. And as far as I can tell, we might both end up in hell, but you're sure as hell going first. I'm chasing tail lights straight as a crow flies, hunting just down a country road. Hey, y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or... Get after them with thermal imaging and night vision. Under the cover of darkness, 3Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3Curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Oh, the sun's gonna shine in my life once more. Love's gonna live here again. Things are gonna be the way they were before. There's a little buck going. Love's, Love's gonna, gonna live, live here. here. Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, also, thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, we're all set to talk some hounds with houndsmen. Uh, some of y'all might be familiar with Joe Brayman. He's been around the block, been doing this a long time. And as a result, over the years, Joe has been able to use his hounds also for other things like man hunts. And so he'll join us momentarily to discuss how these hounds are now going to be used across the globe in a conservation initiative that the world has never seen before. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a second. But first, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by First Light. You guys and gals know that's what I'm wearing on all of my outdoor excursions. They're known for their wool. Yes, 
And they've got a new lineup for 2018, their new Arrow Wool. You need to check it out. Uh, everything is available to order right now and will be shipped in early June, so you'll have it in plenty of time for all of your late summer and early fall hunting excursions. And you can find the entire 2018 lineup by visiting firstlight.com. Okay, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest today. I guarantee you he's out running hounds somewhere in South Texas. It's my pleasure to welcome Joe Brayman to the show. I appreciate you letting me be on. Absolutely. And, you know, we've never met personally, but your reputation as a houndsman precedes you. So I've known of you for quite some time. Actually, first of all, tell us how long you've been working with hounds. I've been working with, with hounds probably 35 35 years, I guess, uh, since I was a young, young man, um, um, probably nine or ten. What were the first hounds that you that you got? The first, the first group of dogs that I ever I ever had anything to do with, really. My dad ran coyote dogs, and uh, and uh, we never caught much. And he had an old friend by the name of Joe Rufus Lyons down in in uh, George West, and he came over one afternoon, and it was a cold, clear evening, and uh, took me on a cat hunt, a bobcat hunt, and the dogs started and. I figured it was going to be like a coyote hunt where we ran all night long and never caught anything. And hmm. The dogs began running, and there was a dead tree sitting out there, and the, the brush was pretty low, probably chest high to a grown man. That cat jumped in that tree, and I could see the dogs jumping over that, that low brush trying to trying to get to the cat, and I, I was hooked from there forward, you know. <laughs> so you treed that first bobcat uh, with an old-timer uh, that <laughs> came down to hunt with you and your dad. You were hooked. So, what kind of dogs did you get for that? Was that first pack? You know, in, in, initially, I didn't know um, my dad was going to buy those dogs for me. Uh -huh. um, they were all running Walker hounds, uh, the running Walker like fox hounds. When we were leaving, I had school the next day, so my, my father was getting me back early so I didn't get in trouble. My mom and uh, we pulled up to a bump gate. He told me, he said, uh, "What'd you think?" And I told him, I said, Dad, I said, don't ever buy me another gift again. All I want is some dogs like that. <laughs> and that Christmas, this was in like November. So in December, he bought my brother, Dan, like a go-kart or, or Odyssey, one of those, those deals you go fast on. <clears throat> I never got anything. And uh, mm. about 1 o'clock, I was wondering what I'd done wrong, you know. <laughs> and uh, I guess it's about one thirty. He said, Joe, do me a favor. He said, go out there to the to the driveway and grab my thirty thirty out of the truck. He said there's there's a, a snake in the yard and I at that age I just did what I was told, you know. Sure. So I go running out there and there's all these dogs in the truck <laughs> and I about fainted. I was like, Oh my God. I, I think I took off a week from school just just to you know, catch a cat and I and I did and those dogs were trained, and I was I was really young and really didn't understand the fundamentals of, of training a hound. But I ran those, and I, I did a did an okay job. I caught a lot of cats until I had to start breeding dogs again and, and training puppies. And then I went for, I don't know, five or six, I guess it's five or six months hunting every day, and I never caught a cat And because all the older dogs passed away, you know. Mm -hmm. and, you didn't uh, have any waiting in the wings. No, and I, and I really didn't know what I was doing, yeah. but I, I just, after a little while, I, I just stopped, and I, I said, you know, I'm ruining dogs faster than 
than than I should. I said, yeah, I'm smarter than that. And and I started I started thinking about it, and I I realized that a cat went downwind and not into the wind when they hunt. And then I would slow the dogs down if they started trailing into the wind because a hound, you know, I mean, every dog wants to run into the wind. I mean, they run into it 90 miles an hour so they can smell better. Well, I finally figured out that if I stopped them and brought them back because I found it had rained one day and the dogs were run, I mean, they were trailing hard going to the left. And it was blowing, a north wind was blowing, and the dogs were just charging into it. And I started toning them with the, well, back then we didn't have anything but the shocking collars. And you could put it on neutral mode where it would just beep. And I'd beep it, and I'd get them, and I'd call them back. And I found that cat track, and I said, you know what? I said, these cats are going downwind. And that light bulb flashed on. And from that day forward, I remember catching that cat, and, and it was just like, I got this now. Huh. And and it it built and built and built and to where I I actually um, modernized that 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 style of, of hunting. You know, I got faster dogs. I got dogs that would go farther, and you know, just so forth and so on. Well, and I told you that I, while I'm not a houndsman myself, I am fascinated by anything that you can hunt with dogs, whether that's quail or you know, I have a lab that will hunt anything with you know feathers essentially uh, yes, or uh, hogs or you know mountain lions which is why i spent three weeks in colorado trying to catch one on dry ground with uh an old timer wayne pinnell and ended up taking a mountain lion and but the whole time going back to these bobcats uh wayne was very wary he said it's a lot easier to catch a lion than it is a bobcat because he called them rock eating sons of bitches and, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, I, and literally, my indoctrination into hound hunting for cats was: here's day one, it's April, and we go to some just incredible bluffs, and the first thing that happens is they get on a bob. You know, we're hunting a lion, trying to hunt a lion, but dogs don't discriminate. They get on a bobcat, sure. and two of them got wedged up to where we had to go get them with repelling gear. <laughs> oh my goodness! So that was my. It was like baptism by fire for me. But we never did catch a bobcat. We, over the course of that time, would catch four mountain lions. Um, I know that you've caught mountain lions, too. Where other than, I mean, you're from the South Texas area. Where do, where do you typically go? Do you head out to West Texas to uh, to hunt big cats? Not necessarily. Um, um, along the border uh, from Rio Grande City all the way to Del Rio, there is a lot of lions down there along the river. I mean, a lot, a lot of lions. And... Matter of fact, there's a ranch down there that that sent me some pictures the other day where there was four lions on one on camera. You know, I mean, I'm sure two of them were cubs, but but uh, then there was a big tom and a, and a female. And boy, it doesn't it doesn't take long when they get ganged up like that to really tear your deer population up. There's no doubt. How many mountain lions would you say you've caught with your dogs? Well, I, I mean, to tell the truth. I guided for Tri-State Outfitters for for a, a while, uh-huh. and I caught quite a few lions on that with that, them too. With those set of dogs, they were more of a slower train walker type dog. Yeah. With these particular set of dogs that I've got right here, I think I've caught seven with because we just don't have the number of lions. Yeah. Close to home, and and so I you're typically hunting bobcats with them. Right, right, yeah. and I, I know I've caught. I don't know, probably two or three hundred a year mm-hmm. for thirty thirty years, I guess. 
Well, I mean, you can do that math. It's, yeah. uh, it's in the thousands. Yeah, oh, for sure. The running walkers tree really well, but I never have really tested how long they would stay at a tree. But if you get a, a dog that's genetically bred to tree, like a tree and walker, you know, you can tree a lion. If you have um, uh, clients or something, I mean, they'll sit there and tree that lion for two days if you need to. And, yeah. and uh, you know, these, these, these hounds here, I just never – I was always worried about them because they're so fast. And, and you know, they, they never get to really practice in the rocks. <laughs> and I, I never really wanted to, to see if they were going to run one off a cliff because when they get it in their mind to get one, you know, I, I just never never wanted to see all my dogs go off the side of Grand Canyon, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you still ha- have all running walkers now? I have all running walkers now. I don't have any of the the, lion, the, the tree and walker lion hounds that I used to have. Mm-hmm. I actually bred some of those to a couple of black and tans and I use them on humans now. That was that's fascinating uh, that you've been doing this for that long, and I have I'm sure you've seen some pretty amazing things, seen dogs do amazing things that you never thought were possible, uh, which is kind of where we're going to go with Ivan Carter for the poachers. Yeah, for for rhino conservation. But hey, before we do that, uh, Joe, let's just work in a quick commercial break. Uh, come back and and then we'll dive into that. Sound good? Okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Dallas Safari Club's Conservation Society. They're having their 11th annual crawfish boil May 12th from 11 to 4. It's at the Tailwaters Fly Fishing Company in Dallas, Texas. There will be beer. There will be mud bugs. There'll be mixed drinks, cigars, and conservation. Lots of great folks. Always one of my favorite days of the year. For more information, uh, go to DSC Conservation Society. Y'all stick around. Up next, lifelong houndsman Joe Brayman explains how his hounds might just be the tipping point in this epic struggle against rhino poaching. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Old games are coming back to me. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Cable here, and we all know that the North Texas weather plays for keeps. That's why you should call my childhood baseball buddy, Phil, with Tech City Roofing. Tech City is a one-stop shop for your roofing needs, offering a 10-year transferable warranty. They don't require money up front or a down payment. They deal directly with your insurance company. Tech City is insured and has an A-plus rating with the BBB. Call Phil Marler at 940-600-8221 for a free inspection, or email him at phil at techcityroofing.com. That's my lifelong bud, Phil with Tech City Roofing at 940-600-8221. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. 
Visit BobcatOfDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hi, my name is Daryl Lee Rush, and I'm just proud to be here. Thanks for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I have run many a valley, and I have crawled the edge of the ark of That's our old friend, Daryl Lee Rush, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, Leaving Virginia is the name of that one. I'm Cable Smith, so great to be here talking hunting and fishing. The great outdoors with all you fine folks out there today. Whether you're tuned in live on the radio or checking out the podcast, I am just glad that you're here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, We're still visiting with lifelong houndsman Joe Brayman of South Texas who has been training hounds to help fight rhino poaching across the dark continent. Uh, but before we pick it back up with Joe, this segment of the show is brought to you by the Pulsar Helion. If you're talking about monoculars, there's really only one that makes the cut. It's the Pulsar Helion. I've got one in my blind bag. I take it with me everywhere. That it's legal. Uh, and you can't attach it to your rifle, so even if you're bow hunting, in most scenarios, you can have it right there with you. Why is that important? Well, if you're walking in in the dark, you don't want to blow anything out on the way to your stand. Maybe you're glassing a hill uh, in Colorado or New Mexico. Hey, I don't know. Looking for elk. Uh, but the Helion has a detection range of over a 1,000 yards. It has internal recording. And as far as clarity is concerned, there is nothing better on the market. It's the Pulsar Helion. Plus, you'll get 20% off. When you use my promo code Lone Star, when you check out at PulsarNV.com. Uh, all right. Well, Joe, we appreciate you sticking around through the break. And, you know, we were talking about uh, your background as a houndsman and my brief, uh, albeit experience, uh, running hounds with a guy in Colorado, Wayne Pinnell. And, you know, one thing that always impressed me and why I wanted to go with someone who had so much experience was it's you don't just turn the dogs out on a track and expect it to be in-game. They're automatically going to just tree the animal. No. The houndsman many times has to put the dogs back on the track, has to predict what that animal is going to do and cut them off to get to a, a fresher scent or whatever the case may be. Um, and and also just seeing the track to begin with. Uh, it's truly an art form and one that can really only be learned through years and years and years of experience and trial and error. That is right, but it it also it, it comes from when you start a a puppy to me, uh-huh. and, and a running walker you can wait a little bit longer. With humans, I mean, to make a hound engage on a human, I thought would have been impossible. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I started I started I, I thought through the whole process, and I started them at at a young age, and I've been doing this a long time as well. You start them as, 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 I mean, when when a jip has some puppies, you get in there and you take them off the mom every 45 minutes, every, about every 45 minutes all day long. And you just put them in there and you play with them. And you're kind of imprinting them into you being the mom. Mm-hmm. And then you let them go back and eat. The day you wean them is when showtime starts. I mean, you, you feed them and you ag- aggravate them while they're eating. And then you separate every one of them. And every day you get those puppies out, and and you start building that building that mold. That's humans. Okay. Uh, with cats, you know the running walkers. What I was saying, the running walkers a little easier. I mean, you can just put them all in one pen and feed them and 
you know, at five months old, I normally start running, letting them run with my dogs, yeah. and, and and they'll stay behind. They bark behind a little bit, and you correct them, and they'll be up at the catch. And you know, when all the rest of the dogs after the hunt's over, you know, you're dragging a cat out. That puppy is sitting there barking every breath the whole way to the truck. I mean, all he knows is a cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's so like you said a little bit later now. You mentioned okay, trying to train one to track a poacher, a human. Uh, yep. This is something that I guess Ivan Carter approached you about, or maybe you approached him. I don't know. No, he he. They 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 contacted me. Uh huh. And uh, and Ivan obviously is a good friend of our show and one of the I would say most prominent conservationists on the planet and a longtime professional hunter whose career path has kind of morphed in recent mm-hmm. years to more of. Uh, conservation uh not that he's doesn't hunt anymore but he sees hey there's plenty of hunters there's not as many people that have the voice that he does that can have the influence potential influence to to stop things like uh poaching of uh of rhino which absolutely that video where you you know it's a quick three minute video snapshot of of what y'all been working on and he mentions in there that a rhino is poached every eight minutes in this world Eight hours. Eight out. Eight hours. Excuse me. Yeah, eight hours. So, think about how many rhinos are left out there. Uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand. I think uh, it's not hard to figure out. They can't sustain that because there isn't one being born every eight hours. No, no. And 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 I went over and lived it. I, I you know, I I've got a good friend that's the uh, deputy or was he's a retired deputy director of ICE, and he does all my my stuff. So when I when I I knew that. You know, first and foremost, I think Ivan Carter is one of the one of you know the biggest mentors that anybody could follow. I mean, that guy is perfect. He's he loves animals. He loves his country, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. And I knew that what he pitched at me was was the truth. But I had him checked. I had this this deputy director. His name's Alonso Pena. And I had uh, him him check and see if this was a relevant and, and honest deal. So <clears throat> after I, I, I got that cleared, I bought a plane ticket, and I went. And I went and looked at it myself. And I went and looked at their dog, and I ran their dog, and I helped them tweak their dogs, their hounds. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I just I said, look, guys, you know, I mean – this is this is really really bad. I mean, I saw things that I I've been a police officer 15 years, and I had never seen things as gruesome as that. And I'm talking about rhinos that are still alive, paralyzed with their horn cut off, and it just sitting there suffering. And you know, somebody that'll do that to an animal is an animal. Yeah. And I, I I said, look, I said if we're gonna if we're gonna stop this. We're going to have to have dogs that can engage if they want to, if, if, if they don't go up a tree and stop where we can catch them, we're going to have to have dogs that'll stop them. And they said, well, I don't know if we can get dogs. But I said, you don't worry about it. I said, I got to go home and I got to get to work. <laughs> and I came home and took off 15 months now. I promise you that I've got the answer to the problem. That's awesome. That is awesome. And 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 I beg anybody, anybody that would like to challenge what I'm saying, 
to come over here and and see it for themselves because you're going to see you're going to see a drastic drop in rhino poaching. You're wow. never going to stop it. You're never going to stop it. But I promise you, every time we deploy on 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 a possible track, like and and I say possible within two three hours, you know, I'm not. I can't say that we're 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 going to go up to a, a situation that that is is. 10 hours old and, and go out and deploy these hounds and we're going to have a success, we, we're going to trail them mm-hmm. and we're going to get to a certain location where they maybe they went and turned back and went back to, to Mozambique or wherever. And we're going we're gonna to have to pull the dogs at some point. But if they're in there, they're going to be arrestable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going we're gonna to stop it. Those people, the, the, whoever we deploy on within two or three hours is going to get He'll get stopped, believe me. Yeah. Well, and I and I have to correct myself. I said a couple hundred thousand rhinos. That's asinine. There are between. There's about five thousand black rhino, about twenty thousand white rhino, and one's being killed every eight hours. So, significantly less than what I'd, I'd quoted there off the top of my head. Um, so go go back to training these dogs, uh, okay. because these hounds are not they're not biters. You know they're not they're not known to do that like some other species. Uh, how do you get? Oh, on? absolutely not. I mean, a, a hound. You know, when I when I first started thinking about this, I was, I, you know, I was a young man. You know, I was, just became a police officer, and one day I said, you know what, I'm going to try to take some of these four month old puppies and get them to track the man. And I did, and they would track the hell out of the man, but they wouldn't bite them. Hmm. They wouldn't engage to stop somebody. Yeah. So I sat there and beat myself up about it, and I'm like, I know that I can make this happen. So I'll work, and I'll work, and I'll work. And one day it just came pretty clear to me. Prison system does it. So I started thinking. I said, if they can do it, I can do it. I started getting puppies. As soon as they came out of their mama and she cleaned them up, I'd play with them every 45 minutes, get up through the night, play with them, you know, for the first week or two then i guess day 10 their their eyes open and they start moving around and you just reach you sit down in the middle of them and you pull them apart and you pinch their tails not hard you just pull their tails or something and you'll hear them they'll growl and turn around and try to nip at you and then you just pull their ears and pinch their lip a little bit and just shake their head you know and get them get them fired up you know and then you start using a sock on your hand when 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 they as they're growing up as soon as they start getting teeth their little teeth get hung in it and you don't pull their teeth out you just make a game out of it you keep it alive in their mouth and then they'll turn it loose and then they'll start hopping on their front feet and barking at you and you start like jumping back and forth and get them fired up and next thing you know they're all baying at you just and then when they get you know weaned that's when you start doing night work with because night work if a dog can't see, there's only one way he can find you. And you've been dad or mom or whatever you are for all, since they were born. Mm-hmm. So you get your helper. Yeah, I got a trap door on a little pin. And I'll put those little puppies in a pen. And I'll get out there and I'll rub my feet on the ground real hard to, to create a scent pad. And I'll, I'll take that uh, sock and I'll drag it. And I'll, I'll put it on about a 20-foot cord and I'll get out there maybe... I'd say uh, 100 feet. Mm-hmm. 
and I'll tell that guy, pull that cord. And they'll come out, and they'll look around for me and can't find me. Then one of them will sniff that scent pad, and he'll bark like crazy for a little ways. And then all of them will chime in, and then they go looking for me. And then they all start barking. And they, well, they get to the sock before they get to me. So I start pulling that sock all the way to me, and then I just roll them all in my lap, and I pinch them and do all that stuff. And they start biting my hands and doing that going on. And then I get up, and I drag that, that sock away from them, and they bark like crazy all the way to me, and they grab that sock, and then I turn it loose. And then they play tug-of-war with it like they won. Hmm. So, I mean, by the time they're five months old, I mean, the, you got to wear gloves or you're going to get it. But at at the at about five and a half to six months months old, I quit being the bad guy or the 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 agitator, and I start putting them on different scents, different people, mm-hmm. and I make people like they'll 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 go maybe a hundred yards, and the guy will be behind the tree. He'll have a pair of overalls on, and I cut incisions in that overall and tie uh, pillowcases and socks all over it. And I tell him, as soon as one of them gets up there and starts to take a nip, I want you, uh, as soon as all of them just start barking, I want you to take off running. And then I want you to act like you're, you're staggering, and then get on your knees and let them pull back. And as soon as they do, lay on the ground and scream. Well, heck, by, by the time they're eight months old, I mean, you you can put them on a man, and they're going to fire because I don't let them know what a bite suit is. Like, I pay my decoys a, a, quite a bit of money, but they have to fight all my dogs in a welding jacket, and they love it. I mean, they love it. I don't know if I'd sign up for that job. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I fought a, a, a friend of mine's dogs uh, the other day. He 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 he. he pretty big into it too and uh um he he trains in a suit and i didn't put a suit on and only one dog nipped at me one time the rest of all he did was bark at well if somebody's got a weapon and dogs are just barking that's it yeah i mean they're just gonna they're gonna wipe you out so you gotta have dogs that engage and make people drop what they've got and get up get in a tree Get their back against something and fight the dog with a stick or something. And it it's also goes into officer safety. You know, you don't want to walk in to a situation where you've got, you know, a, a person with a firearm and the dogs are back, you know, baying at him and barking and some of them playing around, you know, sniffing each other's backside and and you walk up to the situation and get shot in the head. Mm-hmm. I mean you want that person to drop what they have and start climbing. What kind of uh, bite pressure do these running walkers? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. I tell you this: I let my dogs bite a suit yesterday. We had that TDC training stuff going on here. They did the regional training here at the ranch, mm-hmm. and after it was over with, I'd, I'd never put these these hounds on a suit, and I just wanted to know. And uh, they had a brand new suit. And the the guy laid the track for me. I think it was like three miles long. When they got there, before I got there, they had ripped a hole in that in that material. So awesome. it's got to be pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, just think about some of those dogs with the, the German discipline, you know, German Shepherd or Belgian Malinois right. or whatever, you know, that they use for for that. Uh, they've got some pretty serious jowls on them. And, uh, yeah. 
I, I imagine these hounds could probably, especially with how many do you run at a time? Eight, ten? I don't know. You know, for, it for depends humans. on the dog. Like, like I've got some females that'll track a long way. They're good genetics, but I never really got them real hot. I just let them, you know, they'll bay at you and they'll nip and make you climb. And I could run 12, 15 of those. But the males, I try, it depends on the circumstance. If it's a, if it's a capital punishment for somebody, I'll take eight. If it's just, you know, an, a, a felony offense, then I may run four because they're rough. I mean, they're more than fellow wants to put up with. I'll tell you that right now. Because with a Belgian Malinois or a Dutch Shepherd, German Shepherd, whatever, <clears throat> you're dealing with one dog, and that dog hits you, and if you get if you get rid of him somehow, say you choke him out, the chase is over with. I mean, he, the guy's going to run off. But yeah. if you're fighting four four dogs at one time, when you swing at one, another one grabs you somewhere else, and then they grab you somewhere else, and then they grab you somewhere. The first thing you're going to do is say, you know what, I can't win this, so I'm gonna get up in the tree. When you get up in a tree, that's what makes them even matter because they can't get to you. But so they're trying. I mean, they're trying hard and letting you know, hey, I got you right here. Come on. That's what the secret to this this is. It's it's you know I train realistically every time we do it. I mean, no suit. I take the guys um, a welding jacket. I'll let them let let him sit there and I let the dogs train for thirty forty five minutes, and then I'll I'll pull them away from it. I'll give them some water, and then I tell them to watch him. And they'll go run back underneath that tree and blow him up again. And then I'll tell him, hey, get out and, you know, run around a little bit, knock them off of you, keep moving, though, and jump back in that tree. So all my guys are trained to do this, so they don't get bitten bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may get the leather torn up, but, but the dogs are, you know, they're, they're dragging him down. And he yeah. jumps back in that tree, and it just give them enough taste to keep to keep their, their their knife sharp, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and these poachers in Africa aren't going to be wearing thick clothes. I mean, they're going to get they're going to get tore up. Uh, so. Um, well, and, and maybe and and, well, good. and I mean, I don't have any sympathy for them. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, a rhino horn is worth up to or even maybe more than three hundred thousand dollars on the black market. So, like you said earlier in our discussion, it isn't going to stop. Uh, but this. This is the solution to, uh, you know, maybe help save the species. Ultimately, that would be ideal. And nothing else is working. So I'm thinking, you know, Joe, uh, maybe this is the solution. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take the bet. I, I mean, I've got you know, 15, 15 months right now with, with these, this group of dogs. And, and, and man, <clears throat> I've done things that... You know, I try to put them through things that nobody could ever imagine. I mean, I took the other day, I went to a creek embankment, and I got the backhoe, and I carved out a, a piece of the creek embankment, and I put a dog kennel in there. And I took a piece of, of expanded metal, and I put it on there. I put my decoy, had him lay a track. We put him in inside that dirt. I've, I've tap packed the dirt in there three feet deep. Oh, wow. And and I told him, because the guy will do anything. I mean, he is a good, as good of a decoy as I've ever seen. So he said, Joe, he said, just, you know, I, I made sure the radio would work in case he lost air or something and, you know, needed 
needed some help. But I started the track, and I got up there, and the lights out. And I just sat there on my horse, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And that one dog kept going back to one spot, and he was smelling. They dug all the way through all that dirt. Then all of them got to digging. Then they, they started chewing that expanded metal away from there, and they pulled it open. And they were, I mean, I don't know what else to do, you know, to, to make them better. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's a scenario I never thought of, but, but I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I mean, I've, we, we own a lot of, 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 of bay frontage here, and I've had the guys lay a track and wade out into the bay and get on top of an oyster reef and put camouflage around him, and they'll swim out there to the deal, to the oyster reef and pull him off of it. So how long have you been running manhunts here in the U.S.? Um, I don't know, 99, I guess. Uh-huh, okay. And so you told me that you have uh, about 90 dogs right now that you've already started in this program that will be used uh, with Ivan as he kind of sees fit in the rhino anti-poaching effort. I have 90, I have 97 or 8, um... Five of my, my, my gyps, they're bred right now. So I'll have five litters, and they normally have between eight and 13. So, you know, we'll have more more packs coming on very soon. Big fan, <clears throat> my friend, uh, all because of your, you know, how do we get here? Because of uh, one boy's love for, for trailing bobcats. And uh, and here we are all these years later trying to uh, to save the rhino. Um, well, we're not, we're not, I don't try to do anything. I always, I'm going to succeed. And, and this is, uh, this will be, uh, this will be an eye opener for everyone. I promise you. And, and, and I really, really wish at some point, um, you could make it down here for, for a day and, and, uh, or two or a week or a month or however long you want to do it and see what really goes on. Because, I mean, you, you'll be blown away with the heart that these dogs have. I mean, they'll run through anything to get to you and stop you. Awesome. Well, like I said, man, my passion for hunting dogs and, and what they can do, whether that's ducks, dove, uh, hogs, you name it, coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions, I absolutely love it. And to watch them do what they're bred to do is a thing of beauty. Uh, and I certainly appreciate your effort, and uh, thanks for jumping on today. Sure, man. A- anytime, I promise you, if you just... Show up here at my house. I'll send you the directions. I'm not going to tell you when to come. I'm not going to ask you when to come. When you show, if you show up here, I'm probably going to be running, <laughs> running dogs. <laughs> I'll do that. I absolutely will take you up on that. I, I I just would encourage you just to show up one day and just say, all right, I want to see it. You know, we we do stuff like get three or four people involved and get them lunch and 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 water and park the Polaris down there and one person walks to. You know, he'll walk five, ten miles, and then um, we'll send somebody else ahead of him to walk. And that person gets there, goes ahead, and picks everybody up, comes back, and uh, we'll let the track age for five, six, seven hours. And then we'll go down there, and I'll have them contaminate the scene in the beginning. I'll get the bloodhound out. I'll collect scent from an article that they had. I'll get the track lined out, and then boom. I put the pack dogs on, and when they start going, I'll run four at a time, and I'll take thirty dogs with me. I'll I'll run, and I try to do it as as hot as it is as, as it can get, 
because they have to be conditioned for that. And I'll let them run for three or four miles. Then I'll get ahead of them and I'll stop them. I'll water them. I put them up. I get four more out. I start them. Boom. They go for another four miles. Water them. Put them up. Put four more on. And then at the end, I'll have the guy, I'll, I'll have somebody take the guy back to the end of the track, get in a tree, and just sit there, covered in camouflage. And, and <clears throat> up as high as he can get. And I just sit there. And, and when they locate him, they'll start treeing. And they'll, they'll treem and treem and treem and treem. And then I bring the water trough in, and I fill it up to, you know, maybe a foot of water. And I let them water and just tree and tree. I'll make him get up after a little bit and throw that, that deal and yell at him and, you know, curse at him and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're for real, man. All kidding aside. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing it in person, Joe. Thanks again for your time and your effort to uh, help save the rhino. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about this, and, and, and I'm just excited that, that, that Ivan asked me to do it. We are too, man. Thanks again. Thank you, sir. All right, there he goes, lifelong houndsman. And uh, I'd like to say our new friend, uh, Joe Brayman. Truly an incredible endeavor. 14 months he took off work to train these dogs to help save the rhino. That is a badass effort towards conservation. Uh, so thank you, Joe. Thank you, Ivan. Also, Ivan Carter, for all he does on the front lines of conservation. Uh, that segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by Horizon Firearms. I'll be taking my 7 Mag back to Africa this summer to hunt with John X Safaris. And you guys and gals have probably seen pictures of it on social media it is a thing of beauty and an absolute tack driver. If you want to get a custom rifle made, hey, I've got to tell you, Horizon's as good as it gets. They're based out of College Station, Texas, and my buddy Derek Ratliff and his crew will take amazing care of you. You can see all of their custom and semi-custom rifles at horizonfirearms.com. We will be right back with the second-generation mastermind behind all seasons feeders. They've got some... Very affordable hog lights coming out that you need to know about. A great way for the working man to stack up hogs under the cover of darkness. We get into it next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. There's a vacancy at home. Not tonight at the Hotel Motel. Hey guys, Cable here for Chama Chairs. The Chama Chair is the all-terrain swivel chair designed out of necessity because the owners were tired of poor-performing hunting chairs. The Chama weighs less than 8 pounds, silently swivels 360 degrees, converts to a stool, has tear-resistant fabric, telescoping legs, and pivoting duck feet. The carrying bag even has accessory pockets and gun and bow straps. Chama Chairs is revolutionizing the hunting chair. It's literally making all other hunting chairs obsolete. And you can find them at chamachairs.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. 
You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. For nearly a decade, the Lone Star Outdoor Show has delivered entertaining, educational, and conservation-driven content to an ever-growing audience of sportsmen and women. Join companies like Vortex Optics, First Light Hunting, and Horizon Firearms that use the Lone Star Outdoor Show to increase their brand awareness and bottom line. If you're interested in introducing your brand to our audience, then call Gil at 972-849-3392. That's me, Gil, the Lone Star Outdoor Show marketing guy at 972-849-3392. You can also email me at gil.lonestyledoorshow at gmail.com. Yeah, you call him. Welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Getting a little help there from our pal Cody Jinx. Mama Song is the name of that one. Love that tune. I love being here with you guys and gals. Thanks for tuning in today as uh, we're all set to talk a little hog hunting and who knows what else with our buddy Zach Gates of All Seasons Feeders. Uh, but first, I do want to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. Here's what you do. After you get out of the turkey woods or head off the lake with a limit of coffee, you head over to Rudy's Barbecue and order yourself some smoked brisket or turkey and wash it all down with an ice-cold Lone Star beer. Lone Star beer, the national beer of Texas. All right, uh, well, let's go ahead and bring him on right now. Joining us from South Texas at the All Seasons Feeders headquarters, it's my pleasure to welcome back second-generation owner and the mastermind behind the design of all of All Seasons products. Zach Gates, thanks for being here. How you doing, sir? I cannot complain. All good here. Staying busy. Yeah, yeah, us too. So just kind of been a good start of the to the new year and getting rolling and working on some new projects and just excited about what we have to bring this year. Well, so. obviously we are as well. And, you know, over the years, we've talked about All Seasons Place and whitetail culture from your dad's original feeder design in the 80s to the the timer uh, to where we are today with the very popular stand and fill models that you guys are known for uh, and and now we've got you know blinds and backyard uh, barbecue pits smokers grills uh, fire pits you guys have really you know expanded you've got a lot <laughs> kind of got it all right <laughs> got, yeah, it's a one-stop shop you've got a lot of irons in the fire and uh and I'll tell you, just going back to the the stand and fill, and I've you know I, I've talked about it on the show. I talk about it every week. Um, but as far as that, the convenience factor of of the 300 or 600 pound stand and fill for anyone out there looking for a feeder, just go check it out. Uh, there's nothing more annoying to me, Zach, than having to back up my pickup to a feeder or take a ladder with me just to to put more feet in it. And so the the stand and fill uh, eliminates that. 
And I, what was the hardest part about designing that? Just making sure that hogs couldn't knock it over? Well, I mean, really, it was just like, why are we standing on ladders? You know, it was just kind of <laughs> like one of those things that it's actually my buddy, so a guy that used to work here uh, for me, he, I gave him a feeder and I said, hey, test it, see if, you know, take it out to your place, set it up, tell me what you think. And it was, I can't remember what it was. Someone else gave it to us, and they were trying to get us to push him for him, you know. So I gave it to him. He took it out to his place. He came back the next morning and said, "Um, well, I rode that feeder to the ground yesterday. I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, well, the legs were weak on it. The brackets all were weak. And uh, he was like, I was standing on the, you know, the tailgate of my truck on a tippy-toe trying to fill it. And I fell forward, and the feeder fell forward, and we both went to the ground. I'm like, what? You know, I was like, this is just ridiculous. Let's just, we can't even come up with something we can stand flat foot on the ground and fill up, you know? And so, uh, like I told you before, that was in, in 12, and then January 13, we launched it. But the main thing we looked at is, you know, our, our, our 600 hoppers and 300 hoppers, those are, you know, we've been selling those since you know, the company's been open, uh, but so I knew our hopper was good, flowed good, emptied out completely. So I kept with that design. I'm just like, let's figure out a base to put it on. What do we need? Customers want to skid. You can easily re- relocate it because uh-huh. after time you get, you know, your pigs and deer and stuff, they got a little hole around it. So you're going to be able to hook up to it, pull it six foot, 10 foot, whatever, and get it out of the way. Um, we don't want, you know, your pigs or even any animals really be able to access the control unit, the spinner plate built a cage around it so and so we kind of launched it i didn't expect it to do real well figured it would take a couple years you know just for it to catch on yeah and uh man it just it took off like a rocket (laughs) right away and we were making them so we and oh even since 13 i mean the design we've continually improved the design to our standards i mean like we used to make it out of angle frame which you know, it worked just as good. I just didn't like the look of it. It looked like, you know, I, whenever we build something, I don't want it to look like anybody could do it in their backyard, you mm-hmm. know, or in their garage. I want it to look like, you know, it's well-caught quality, um, thought out well, you know, and so we, we have lasers and stuff that we like to cut stuff out and, you know, and then and break it. But, uh, you know, the original ones were all angled frame, Um and then two years ago, we went to laser cutout mesh and the framing. Um, and then we also added in the funnel. So we had customers not liking that the, the corn was underneath the feeders. So then we added in the, the funnel to kind of flow the corn out to the side, you know, the feet. So you wouldn't have your animals, you know, or mainly your your, your deer eating underneath there with yeah. the antlers exposed to possibly getting caught in that mesh screen. So, um, well, you know, just... You know, in four years of using that design, Zach, I've never, the only animal I've ever had access it was a jackass poacher uh, crook who stole the battery out of there. But I never had an actual animal (laughs) be able to access uh, the spinner. And uh, and so, like, as far as, like, raccoons or, like you said, hogs dumping out extra corn, uh, you know, whenever they want, essentially, uh, that's, that's absolutely impossible. Yeah, it's, uh, and I even got some changes I'm working on now for, for 19 uh, for it to improve it. We did bring it down last year six inches, so it is a little bit lower, uh, which, again, that puts it right at like five and a half foot. So it's a little bit easier to feel now as well. 
and uh, some cool stuff that I'll be I'll be doing next year with um uh, just more friend you know user friendly stuff that I like to see on our ranch you know and so it's just it's we're using it every day every week and I'm going down there check on everything even new products and and so it's just I'm basically adapting it to fit my personal needs you know and then I'll yeah. take uh, customers recommendations as well you know that I'll see them post or call in and. You know, usually if if I hear it once, I, you know, jot it down as eh, maybe we need to change it. But when I start hearing it two, three, four, five times, I'm like, okay, you know, it's this is what the customer wants. We need to change it. Yeah. So right on. You see how that works. And a lot of our customers stimulate our ideas and designs as well, you know, on what they want to see and how they want their their product to work, our yeah. product to work. So. Well, so and then you guys, uh, you just expanded again. Like we said, we've got the feeders, barbecue pits, smokers, fire pits, blinds, uh, the damn fish feeder, which I always, always like saying the damn fish feeder, feed your damn fish, mm-hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> with the damn fish feeder. Put it on your damn, damn, feed your damn fish. Uh, That's right. <laughs> but uh, you guys just expanded again to include a line of, of hog lights. Um, which, you know, obviously we're overrun with hogs here. I just saw an article, and I don't think this is a new thing, but I actually just saw an article from up in Michigan that they have feral hogs uh, now that are I – didn't, I didn't think they could thrive in those cold populations, but apparently those Russian boars can, and they had a high-fence ranch up there where uh, a bunch escaped. Now they've got, even on like the Upper Peninsula, a bunch of feral hogs running around up there. Which uh, So they're everywhere. Yeah, it's quite impressive what they can adapt to, and they adapt quick too. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt. They say like by the by the second generation. So if if a hog gets out, next generation they're completely feral and will start taking on those characteristics. You know, longer snout, um, thick, thicker, coarser hair, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so you've got some some hog lights to help combat the uh, epidemic. What's going on on that front? So yeah, we kind of. So in 14, came out with the Inhognito, which was the green and red hog light that actually connected to the body control unit and set your feeder off. Um, you know, it was it was pretty cool. It just wasn't bright enough. It would not adapt well with the stand and fill, so I needed a separate mounted hog light to put on the stand and fills um, to light up a big area. So that's when we picked up the bore light, which it's, uh, you know, it's got its own timer, or it's got its own battery, has its own uh, solar panel on the back. It's completely, you know, self-contained. Uh, so it comes on at night, 650 lumens green, comes on at night, stays on at 10%. Whenever it picks up motion, uh, goes to 100%. Uh, so that's been that's been a great light, been doing really well for us. And uh, it's, I would say it's probably the best light to have right now on the market. Um, We've had them on our place for a couple of years now, and they're very reliable and been doing really well. Um, mm-hmm. But if any complaints on it, it's just the price. You know, it's priced at 139 So here in June, I have a smaller version of it, which is still 450 lumens, and we're calling it the little or the Lil Squealer. That's L-I-L, <laughs> Squealer. Um, basically, it's the same exact as the Borlite, but a lot smaller version still easy mount bracket uh same thing solar panel motion sensor uh green light and it'll come on at night at five percent and then whenever it picks up motion it will you know come on at 100 percent for a minute 
and if it continues to pick up motion, it will stay on. Uh, so that light's actually going to retail at fifty nine bucks. Wow. Okay. So yeah. great entry price point there. Um, let me ask you this because it's an obvious question: How long can you expect? Say you're hooked up to a you know um, just like the standard eight or twelve volt battery. Uh, how long will those last with the uh, little squealer? So the little squealer, the one, and it all depends on the traffic you have at your feed sure. station. You know, so let's just say you've got hogs coming every day, every night, every night. You know, they're usually there for a couple hours. It'll be okay all night. But we have a a feeder at our house, at the house, at the the ranch. And there's literally animals there all night. I mean, we have whitetail access. Um, I have it going off at 9 p.m. and 12 a.m., you know, just because we like to have all the animals come in. And we'll usually hog hunt from the kitchen there. Uh, but you know, if there's, if there's action all night long, they'll die, they'll die by two, three AM, you know, but that is nonstop. That mm-hmm. light is staying on, you know, for pretty much all night. But any of the ones out in the pasture, I never have issues with them dying. They always run, you know, so even, and we got a lot of pigs on our place a lot. So yeah. they're hitting the feeders hard and they're there for hours at a time. And the solar yeah. panel just charges them up for the next day. So. Yep, during the day, solar panel charges up, and night's ready to roll. Right on, right on. Okay, so yeah. little squealer, entry level, price point, $59. Bucks. Um, and so so that's awesome, and, and people can find that on the website already? Not right now. No, okay. we'll launch that in June. Okay. So we'll have those in stock in June and uh, start pushing those out to our dealers, and then they'll be available. Awesome. So. And also coming out in June, we have some some flashlights. Uh, yeah, off, yeah. You know. so have our own line of, of flashlights coming out. We're going to have two models. We're going to have just the Predator light, which is going to be solid green. It, it comes with the green mod, so it'll just be the green light. But that comes with all your scope mounts, Picatinny rail mount. uh comes with charger, so it's a complete package kit, ready to mount up. Uh, in green, it'll shine out to 500 yards. These are bright. Very bright lights, um, and they're going to be at a $99 price range. So great, uh-huh. you know, great retail and a very bright light. Well, yeah, yeah, and here's the thing. You know, I love to hunt with a thermal, um, and we actually interviewed Kevin Reese from Polestar last week to just kind of talk about how that, that game has changed, and it's become more affordable for the average uh-huh. guy, uh, for our listener, but you're still talking about $2,000. So, right. you know, uh, right. here's 99 bucks, and you can have, uh, you know, just as much fun and opportunity to, to take animals uh, under the cover of darkness. So, uh, and so on, the, on the flip side of that, you're talking about thermal, but the customers, I mean, even I, I still use, uh, I still have night vision that I use. If I have a bunch of guys out there, then, you know, I, I still got some night vision scopes, the, the cheap Gen 1 ones, you know. Yeah. Um, but what's cool about the second light kit that we're offering is it's the Predator XT. Now, this one includes your white light for use like a regular flashlight. It includes the green. It includes the red mod. But then it also is going to include the infrared. So, oh, wow. You li- yeah, you literally unscrew the, the, the lens, the bulb. You know, it's like its own module. It just unscrews. 
you put in the infrared, put the lens back on, and mount it to your, you know, most of the, the night vision uh, scopes have the Picatinny rail. You can just mount it on top, and I'm telling you, this thing turns a Gen 1 into the next level. I mean, it <laughs> it is bright. It is it's awesome. So it this the kit that kit is going to be retailed at 139, and it comes with two batteries, charger, you know, the green, red, um, yeah, white, and the infrared. So module. taking your almost obsolete Gen One night vision and making it essentially top of the line. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. I, I the other night I was playing with it and. Um, just even cows in the front pasture. Of course, that's a big target, but you know, out at 350 yards with my Gen 1 night scope, it was like, wow, you know, it's lighting them up. I can see them very well. Mm. So, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. So that's a, a cool kit we're excited about, and uh, we'll have those by the end of June. Right. Okay. And then the last thing I want to hit on, and this is something that I've got hooked up at my place in uh, Wichita Falls, the Feed Sync Remote. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I haven't tried it though, as far as I haven't take, I haven't taken it to my other place in Oklahoma and tried it there. Can I use the same remote to to uh, turn on any of my all seasons feeders? So you can use the same app. So they're same app, you'll yeah. just yeah. So each feeder. I mean, the remote is your cell phone. Yeah, the remote's your cell phone. The receiver you have to buy a receiver for each feeder. Okay. You know, each feed station yeah. uh, works on six or twelve volt systems um easily installs between your timer and your motor um and i mean it's it's the first wireless uh you know or app controlled uh feeder remote on the market and it's been doing really well uh we're excited about it so yeah but it's it it's a great solid system and coming out in Two months. I should, probably shouldn't really talk about it, but no, you should talk months. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate to give too much information, but I get so excited I can't keep it in. <laughs> um, so we'll have a complete. Actually, it's going to be three months because we're still finalizing, up, finalizing some of the manufacturing. But um, in three months, we'll be launching our feed sync timer. Awesome. So, and it's going to be a full diagnostic system as well. Uh, we'll give you push notifications if your motor jams, if your solar panel is bad, if your uh, feeder hasn't been running. I mean, it's it's pretty sweet. We're really excited. And it's gonna it. ha- it's gonna tell you. It's gonna send all that info. You're just gonna pull it up on the app, and you're gonna know what's, yep. what's going on with your feeder. Okay. Yep. So when you pull up to it or get within 200 yards, you know your phone will automatically hook up to it after the first time you hook up to it, and you know it'll pop up and give you diagnostics diagnostics of everything. Uh, it'll have preset seasons, so spring, summer, fall, winter. You just click on that whenever you want to change it. Um, this thing's pretty awesome. So awesome. that that'll be rolling out pretty quickly as well. Cool, cool. So okay, and folks can find it all, uh, everything we've talked about today, and and then some, right there at allseasonsfeeders.com. Um, now I know that you are expecting your first kiddo in August, little girl. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, your wife likes good. to hunt too. So, are you going to be uh, flying solo for most of this season? Um, yeah. Well, 
she's we still got a couple things planned pretty low key um until i guess really we only have about a couple months left you know uh we'll be able to do a whole bunch but yeah she's I think she's going to try and tie me down, though. Yeah, she, she gets a little jealous. I was talking about with a buddy the other day and uh, booking something for early next year, and she's like, well, we're going to talk about that. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be ready to go anywhere. I'm like, um, well, who's yeah. saying about we're? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Take, take some uh, adjusting there. Yeah. But uh, we'll get it figured out, and, um, you know. Well, congrats, man. So, so it's life changing. Yeah, excited about that. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, you know, I'm excited about the big chingone being on my place there in Wichita Falls because um, Henry's been on a couple dove hunts and a couple uh, duck hunts. He's not. He wasn't quite ready to sit in the blind last year. Uh, I don't. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to introduce him to a, a, a whitetail's a big animal. To see it getting shot, you have to make sure your your kid is ready for that. And, uh, yeah. and so, but he's, he's been chomping at the bit, bothering me about, Hey, when can we go deer hunting? And I'm like, well, son, it's kind of like a seasonal thing. You know, it's closed right now. So we have to wait, <laughs> but I well, promise you'll get to is, go. <laughs> what's good is you'll be able to take him in there. He can be as loud as he can. Oh yeah. As he wants and to be. warm. Yeah, I think so quiet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, for new year's, you had, uh, sister-in-law and family come down and got to take a nephew out to shoot his first wet rabbit with us 22 and uh so that was pretty cool yeah Yeah, went around and shot a rabbit and then we grilled it up and actually we fried it and he literally ate the whole thing (laughs) and he thought it was just the most awesome thing ever so pretty cool yeah i continue to take that uh, take him out in the woods and then also my daughter grew up and introduced her into the whole outdoor thing too so absolutely just like your dad did so exactly Exactly. Well, all right, Zach. Well, we appreciate it, man. All right, Cable. It's good talking to you as always, man. Yes, indeed. There he goes, our good friend Zach Gates of All Seasons Feeders. I'll tell you what, I'm excited about the little squealer, but we can have a giveaway coming up here in June. And at 59 bucks, that's a great price point to get into a hog light. So cool stuff there. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. If you're looking to finance your own piece of Texas, They've got you covered. They've been doing it for over 100 years, and you can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. Well, unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we got to go. Got to get out of here flat out of time. Thanks to both of our guests today, uh, lifelong houndsman Joe Brayman, also Zach Gates. We will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then... I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. The mountains win again.